Viewmasters. It's the podcast that we do. Viewmasters. Talk about movies that we view. Viewmasters. My friend Eric and me, Joe. Viewmasters. Hey, let's start the show. Hello. Welcome to the Viewmasters, episode 270. Steal. My name is Joe. My name is Eric. Steal yourself, Eric. <laughs> I will. Will I stand as well? I, I assume so, once you have stealed yourself. <laughs> I almost said stolen yourself, which doesn't that doesn't make sense. <laughs> oh, uh, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay. <laughs> I am uh I am I am mulling over how I'm going to talk about this movie. Yeah, yeah. Are you are you worried? Are you gonna have trouble? I might. Did you love it so much that it's just <laughs> it, just in, in above reproach? <laughs> it's possible. You know, I never give five stars on the letterbox, but this may be the one. <laughs> Oh man, steal, steal! Oh, I have avoided this movie since 1997. Yeah, and then you picked it, and then I did, yes, because uh, I figured, you know, what's the worst that could happen, right? Yeah, and I mean, it's a bad movie. Yeah, it's not good, but. It's not the worst I've ever seen, for sure. I actually really enjoyed it. <laughs> it has its charms. It does. <laughs> I, I feel like there's there's something about superhero movies from the 90s that I will always just... Like you, like, like you said, just I will always find charming. Yeah. Like... Like, like even, you know, Venom, the Venom movie felt to me like a throwback to a 90s superhero movie. It, it does, for sure. Uh, it's, I still would not hold it up against, like, say, The Shadow or The Phantom. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's got some, for sure. There's, there's a definite throwback feel to it. I think part of it is that by now... Uh, we have been so inundated with the, the Marvel Universe and DC struggling to have a universe. <laughs> and just and every other franchise in existence trying to copy the format of having their own universes. That Venom feels very singular. And that to me is like 90 superhero movies they are just small stories uh presented with possibly not some great budgets right (laughs) (laughs) and and by by that you know they have to be small uh and, and very insular and uh it's dare i say kind of refreshing yeah yeah, no, I agree with you. I was I was actually I was having a discussion with 
because uh, they they released a, a new trailer for the Eternals today. Yes, uh, which I have not watched. I have uh, not either. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, but some people uh, that I in in the Slack for the beat were talking about it, um, and and one of them said something like, "Well, I don't know what role this movie is trying to play in." this phase of the mcu and mm-hmm. it just like it smacked me in the face like remember when movies were just movies yep and they didn't have to like they told their story and they didn't have to to be like part of a franchise or or play a role in a phase <laughs> of whatever <laughs> and i just like i felt like an old man you know shaking his <laughs> fist at a cloud but, uh, but it's yeah. really nice. Yeah, uh, I I had a an oddly similar reaction. Uh, so Disney Plus now has started the What If series. Yes, uh, the the animated series, and I was on Twitter last night after watching uh, the the most recent episode, which was very good. It was very good, yes. Uh, which, like, I watched the first one, and I thought it was just okay. Uh, I wished it had been very good, but, you know, I didn't hate it either. Yeah. Uh, but but I thought, you know, episode two was, was uh, a, a very good step up. Uh, and, and I'm reading reactions on Twitter for some goddamn reason, like a lunatic. <laughs> That's your first mistake. Yeah. And everyone is like reacting to the show as if like, you know, it's like some key component to like a larger overall story. And I'm thinking, but it's what if, yeah, and to me, what if is like, that weird comic series that Marvel did where they just, you know, done in one and they set up the situation and then they answer it. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. And so like, it didn't even occur to me to watch that show from, uh, you know, well, how is this all going to play out in the end? It's like, it's a what if, (laughs) but they're all part of the multiverse. Oh, good Lord. The one who remains, (laughs) <laughs> and uh you know and in reaction to the the uh, eternals you know like i did watch the first trailer uh just because i we at that point we had known nothing yeah <laughs> outside of the fact that Kamel Nanjiani got fucking jacked <laughs> right <laughs> which is all i needed to know sure <laughs> Uh, and, and, you know, I just wanted to see, okay, you know, what, what's the look and feel of this thing going to be? And it was not anything that like excited me. Uh, and I still feel that way. Like I, I, and to the point where I don't want to watch the new trailer cause I feel like it's just going to confirm that let alone, like you said, you know, how it's going to fit into the phase four, you know, and, and all this stuff that now comes with all these movies. Yeah. And and it's like, man, I used to just be excited that there was going to be a spider movie. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We, we had, (laughs) I I was trying to pinpoint when it became terrible. (laughs) And I, and I think it was at the end of X-Men two, Okay. When it teased the Phoenix. 
Like yeah. before before that, the movie was just the movie. Yeah. It was standalone. If there was more, great. But if not, you're you're comfortable with what you got. Right. But at that point is when it became about sequels and and like like there's that and then I thought of the end of Batman Begins where uh Gordon has the Joker card. Yeah. Like like those two I feel like are are turning points in in superhero <laughs> movies where they where they all became about, well, what is this setting up right. for for the future when yeah, like like the movies from the '90s and into the early 2000s were, by and large, they were all just standalones. Yep. And and we and we loved it. And, and yeah, because that's all we had. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and I I think you're right. And is X Men Two the first one that ever did like you know the uh, comic book movie wise like the post credits scene? Because um, I, I feel like that was a post credit scene, right? No, the the Phoenix tease was actually like the just the very last scene right before the credits. Okay. Um, X X Men: The Last Stand did have a post credit scene. Yeah, I remember that. But but yeah, the Phoenix one was actually just like the last sort of sweeping shot of the movie before it cut to the credits. Okay. All right. I thought that was a like a mid credit scene, but you're probably right. <laughs> Uh, I, I watched it relatively recently. Okay, all right. Uh, and, and you know, and, and with the Marvel universe, I mean, we're what twenty some movies into it now, right? Uh, and, and and you talk about it being terrible. Like, I don't know what has happened, but like, I have lost my excitement. <laughs> oh yeah, no, me too, one hundred percent. Yeah, uh, and. and I feel like, I mean, you know, you know, the pandemic certainly didn't help. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and I mean, because these used to be things that, you know, I would want to go to the theater to see. And now you cannot pay me to go to a theater. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Shang-Chi is coming out. Or excuse me, Shang-Chi. Yes. And, and I do want to see that movie. Uh, but it is opening theater exclusive for 45 days before going to Disney. Right. Uh, and I'm just like, no, I'm not going to a movie theater to see this movie. Yeah. It is not safe yet. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and the extra disappointing aspect of that is that, you know, it is a primarily Asian cast and they're probably, it probably won't do well. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Uh, and they're going to probably blame it on the fact that it's a mostly minority cast yeah uh which is fucked up and backwards but like you just said it's not safe yet yeah uh yeah as as far as excitement goes i feel like even just after uh after far from spider-man far from home like that one that one was really good but even even that one going into it i was just like all right we're doing another one of these yeah like like Endgame was was the end of of everything that they had built towards. Right. And it felt like, okay, this is a good stopping point. Yeah. <laughs> but I, but no, we're gonna keep doing them. <laughs> I, I feel like with Endgame it was, you know, yes, it was it was a good stopping point. Uh and it was everything that had been building toward. And now 
you know, and and Far From Home was sort of like just the the, the bow on everything. Yeah. Uh, and and now, which is weird because they start off Phase Four with a a you know a, a prequel essentially. Yeah. Uh, to a character who is already dead. <laughs> <laughs> And now we have to build this whole new thing. <laughs> and, you know, it, it felt like at least at the very beginning of this, like, you know, no matter how tightly Marvel and Disney controlled what was happening, you know, there still felt like there was, you know, some off the cuff kind of things. Like we yeah. could get a Guardians of the Galaxy out of this, <laughs> you know, just an out of left field. What the hell is this? <laughs> and now... It feels even more controlled, and now they are deliberately trying to make a thing from the jump, and I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I don't know how much of that, too, is, like, they're deliberately trying to make a thing, or that's just the way that people are looking at it now. Right. Because, like, we haven't seen Shang-Chi, so we don't know... <laughs> Like, you know, how much of that seeds future things or, or sets future things up. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there will be a part of that. But most of it is is like, well, how does this fit in to the to the overall plan? Yeah. And like, can't we just can't we just enjoy a thing for what it is and not not care about that? And and that, that just I'm, I'm tired. Uh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I'm 100 percent with you. And and. You know, I, I am hoping that is a thing that uh, Shang-Chi is, is a thing that is enjoyable on its own. Uh, but just going into it already, it's like, okay, well, then, you know, what is, you know, how does this fit into the puzzle of whatever's happening now? Sure. And, and it just, it does make it that less exciting for me now. And then maybe, you know, I'm just old and grumpy. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's how I feel too. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but then we have, you know, 20 some years ago, 25 years ago, uh, a thing called steel. Yeah. <laughs> Which, the movie we're actually here to talk about. Right. <laughs> uh, I actually do want to just, uh, uh, just before we get into this, uh, talk about the Suicide Squad real quick again. Okay, sure. Uh, so, some things that I, I really wanted to mention last week that I just, you know, Plum forgot or whatever. Sure. Uh, the first thing is that uh, uh, Suicide Squad uh, sort of mastermind John Ostrander was in the movie. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, which, which was pretty cool. Uh, and then the second thing uh, that I wanted to mention that I didn't was just uh, at the end credits. Uh, you know, and, and it feels like this is a thing that has only happened in the last 10 years or so where they actually sort of acknowledge the fact that comic creators, you know, worked on these things. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, built the stories that these movies are, are now riffing on. And the Suicide Squad had the biggest list of comic creators I have seen on any of these movies. It did a very large special thanks section. And, and I was very impressed and, and very proud and I hope that all but three of those people got money for this. <laughs> I laugh because I know exactly who you're talking about. 
Oh, just just love seeing EVS's name in the credits for something. Sure. Ah. <laughs> uh, oh, but yeah, but that's something that's something that Steel does, like right does. up top. Uh, that that's sort of what reminded me is that uh, you know they actually do it in the opening credits for this one. Yeah. Uh, of course, you know. I, so I'm not terribly familiar with the timeline of the comic publication but Steele had been, I mean, he, he he was a character who was introduced in the whole Death of Superman Reign of Superman story arc. Yes. Uh, which was, what, 92? 93. 93. Uh, and then, you know, eventually graduated to his own title. Uh, and I, if I'm not incorrect primarily the same creative team worked on the his solo book i believe so yes so so uh wheezy simonson and, and john bogdanov yes uh who uh wheezy simonson louise simonson is is a legendary comic writer from you know early 80s comic editor uh worked on a bunch of x-men stuff uh you know back in its heyday uh, you know, and, and uh, uh, she's got a husband who also does some stuff. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard of him as well. Yeah, and uh, John Bogdanov is an artist who, during you know the period of time that this movie uh, came out, and, and when he was actively working on the Superman comics, I did not care for. Yeah, uh, but I have grown to really appreciate his art in the last uh, couple years. Yeah, I've actually been through sort of a similar thing. I remember not not liking it. Like I, I was, I was very like, like you had you had Dan Jurgens on Superman, very sure. clean style. You had uh, Tom Grummet on Adventures of Superman, also mm-hmm. very clean. Uh, you know, Butch Geis on Action Comics. You know, a little less, but still relatively. Uh, and then Bogdanov uh, was just like felt like way out there, <laughs> yeah. Like not not what I was used to seeing at the time. So yeah, I, I remember bristling against his stuff initially <laughs> as well. Uh, I, it was weird because it was actually uh, an old issue of New Mutants that he did like prior to his work on Superman that I looked at, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing! Who drew this? And I was like, what really? <laughs> <laughs> uh like he was just so fun and bouncy and, and i've been looking over some of his old x-men or superman stuff since and and uh have really gained a newfound appreciation for it uh and, and yeah it was drastically different than the other super books at the time <laughs> yeah i i i think it, i i sort of have been on sort of a like like a jack kirby trajectory with him where i didn't like him at first and then really really came to appreciate it as I, as I got older and, and, and quote unquote more sophisticated. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I had that similar thing with Kirby as well. So, uh, you know, you get older, t- taste change. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I could easily see myself speaking of, uh, watching this movie back in 1997 and hating it. <laughs> And maybe coming to appreciate it now. Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree. <laughs> uh, 
but boy, it's also still really bad. <laughs> you know, I I was thinking about 1997 uh, as a the year that superhero movies died yeah it really was because you had you had batman and robin Mm -hmm. which i which you and i both love yep (laughs) but which was critically reviled sure and And also you you know objectively a bad movie (laughs) all right (laughs) but no you are 100 percent right i love that movie and i will fight anyone (laughs) (laughs) who says otherwise (laughs) uh but yeah so you had that you had steel uh and then spawn had come out i think either either two weeks before or two weeks after steel came out uh and probably after okay i've I've never seen spawn but i've heard that it's real bad so uh spawn is one of two movies that i have walked out of (laughs) In the middle of watching it in the theater. Amazing. (laughs) Uh, And I never revisited it until about three or four months ago. Uh, It was, like, available on one of those weird free streaming channels. Even though it is also currently available on HBO Max. Right. Uh, And I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch this. You know, maybe I missed something. You know, I don't know. Uh, but no, it's fucking awful. <laughs> uh, there is no charm to that movie whatsoever. Uh, and, and it is also, you know, a CG heavy movie at a time when CG was not great. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And, and I will say for Steel, uh, the good thing about this movie is very minimal CG, if any. Yes. Yeah, lot lot of practical effects in this movie. Yes, that that helps a lot. I uh, mean, pro- probably the most impressive practical effect is Shaquille O'Neal. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> he is an enormous man. He is, but if if we're talking about him uh, in, in the terms of of a, a practical effect. Uh, he feels like a wonky puppet to me. Something <laughs> that right. they just could not get quite right. <laughs> <laughs> I can sort of see that, especially once he once he is in the suit. Yeah, uh, and and he's he's struggling against that vis- visibly on screen. <laughs> sure, he is struggling a lot visibly on screen. <laughs> uh, it is. I mean, he is twenty four years old in this movie. Wow, is that all? Yeah. And and he is a basketball superstar. And the way he moves, even before having to wear 75 pounds of foam armor, (laughs) he is just a lumbering ox. (laughs) (laughs) And I don't understand... Other than the fact that he is seven foot one, how is he a basketball player? <laughs> I mean, really, his his big thing is uh, dunking the ball <laughs> and just and just bulldozing people to get to the basket. That's what I remember about about watching Shaquille O'Neal play is that he just posts up down low. And then just knocks over whoever he needs to and dunks. All right. 
I can see that. Because <laughs> uh, he, he, he does not seem like he's quick. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't at all, which is why it surprised me so much that he does so much chasing in this movie. <laughs> he does, although he does eventually give up and has a motorcycle out of nowhere. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> can I... we talk about how he looks on that motorcycle? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> he looks ridiculous on that motorcycle he is an enormous man riding a normal sized motorcycle it might even be smaller than normal size it might be yeah it's like if i tried to to get on a big wheel like it just doesn't work no um yeah, he is, uh, it's, uh, this movie is, uh, weird. <laughs> um, and also, like, so, so, it, uh, I didn't pay attention to, like, the, the time coding or anything like that, but it's gotta be at least 45 minutes before he armors up, right? I think so, yeah, it's about the midpoint of the movie. Yeah. Uh, but, but even before that, I was like, well, why does he need a suit of armor? Because he is superhumanly strong he, throughout. Yes, he he has superhuman strength. <laughs> Just like lifting lifting large concrete walls off of people. Yep. Just, Breaking things like with a with a flick of his wrist. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. The, the He's a superhero when, before he gets the suit. Yeah. The, the scene when he uh, smashes open the wall of the insane asylum or whatever the fuck it is. Yes. Where, where Sparky is at. His good friend, Sparky. Yeah. Uh, Lieutenant just, Sparks. Yeah. Uh, just made me laugh out loud. <laughs> at the ridiculousness of it all. Yeah. It's, it's incredible. <laughs> and uh, time for, for a little played... Uh, a segment of the show, fun with subtitles. Ooh. Uh, when he smashes open the windows. Uh, and it's like a big picture window. One of the subtitles is, ooh, good breeze. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, that is like, that is the point of the scene. <laughs> Which is, you know, get some fresh air in here. But sure, I guess. Yeah, w- without the subtitles, I did not hear that. <laughs> it, I had to rewind it like three or four times to <laughs> see if like anybody actually says it. And I did hear it. Like, it's in the background somewhere. Okay. But it's like, but there's a lot of like background chatter when it happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's the one they focused on to make a <laughs> subtitle out of. <laughs> it was important. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, So this movie was written and directed by Kenneth Johnson, uh, who is probably best known as the creator of The Bionic Woman and the showrunner of The Incredible Hulk TV show. Nice! Yeah. Who always hated sci-fi and superheroes. Interesting. (laughs) Interesting (laughs) career choices, Kenneth. Yep. Uh, he is also the creator of V. Okay. And, and was the showrunner of the Alien Nation TV show. Wow. Hated Got sci-fi and superheroes. 
That's a nice Viewmaster's connection, though. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and his only other feature film before this was Short Circuit 2. Wow, Jenny and I actually just watched the first Short Circuit. So did I. It's so bad. <laughs> Is it? I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> it's charming. All right. <laughs> Ali Sheedy is beguiling. Yeah. And, you know, I generally like Johnny Five. Yeah, he's alright. <laughs> right. I actually think I prefer Short Circuit 2 to Short Circuit 1. I, you know, I, I haven't seen it forever, but I do have very fond memories of Short Circuit 2 and, and think it might be the better movie. Yeah, I mean, Michael yeah. McKean's great in it. Well, he's great in everything. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but yeah, 50-year-old white guy <laughs> writing writing this movie. Yep. I I I read uh in the IMDb trivia that that he took the script like into a predominantly black neighborhood and just like hung out there. Yep. <laughs> to I, make I sure that, that well. it sounded right. Yeah, you know, uh, I think they lied to him. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> Because there is nothing natural about this dialogue in this movie. <laughs> Spoken by any of the characters. Yeah. Uh, this movie is one rec center needs to be saved away from being a made-for-TV special. That's absolutely right. Like, all, all that they needed was the grandma needs a, <laughs> needs a heart transplant. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but instead, she just opens a restaurant in her front yard? Yeah, I, I, apparently. I, I guess uh, in Los Angeles, zoning uh, uh, laws are, are very loose. You know, it's a pop-up, so oh, it's okay. fine. All right, all right. One of the first <laughs> pop-up restaurants. Oh, sweet. <laughs> uh, I was glad that she finally got the souffle to work. I would have been really disappointed... Uh, if they had not paid that gag off, so I mean, it's Chekhov souffle. It it really is. <laughs> uh, the only other way overused uh, thing is that uh, John Henry Irons is bad at basketball. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh, right to the point where it, it becomes a life and death situation. That that was amazing. <laughs> Honestly. <laughs> Like, of course, that's what this is going to be. He holds a live grenade for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, you know, we can only just assume that he, you know, held the clasp closed, right? I would, I guess so, but still, yeah. that's that's nerve-wracking. It's very nerve-wracking. Also, like, when it is just, like, bouncing back and forth between, like, the mesh of the, the fencing, <laughs> uh, surely it would have exploded by then, right? You, you gotta, you gotta get the, the tension of, is it, you know, is it gonna rim in or rim out? Who knows? Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. So, uh, uh, I, I did a little extra homework on this. Ooh. Uh, I read the oral history of steel. Oh my god, there is one? I didn't know. Yeah. Uh, it was part of the, uh, the, the series that was done with, uh, in conjunction with How Did This Get Made. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so it is available on Slash Film for, for anybody to go read. Excellent. Uh, they mostly just talked to Kenneth Johnson, but then, like, a handful of other people. Um... 
And, like, this movie had to be... It was made basically between the Summer Olympics of whatever year it was made. I guess 96. Yeah, it would have been 96. Uh, and the start of basketball season. So they had, like, five weeks. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, at least just for, like, for Shaq himself to be in the movie. Sure. Uh, they, they filmed other stuff, obviously, without him. Uh, but it, it still only took, like, less than two months to make. <laughs> uh, are you there? I'm, I'm here, yeah, okay. I'm listening. All right. All right. I am wrapped. <laughs> uh, but, you know, and, and apparently, uh, like, uh, when Shaq was in the Olympics, like, he, they sent an acting coach along with him. Uh, and every night, uh, when he wasn't playing, they would run lines. That's uh, awesome. And he did come back with uh, the script memorized. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but uh, no real acting ability still. Yeah, yeah. That didn't really, that didn't really take. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, God bless him. He tried, right? He did. And, you know, he, like, he doesn't have to do a ton in no. this movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I thought that. So, so Richard Roundtree is in this movie. Yep. Uh, as as like a like the the tinkerer guy who helps helps with his gear. Yeah. And I thought for sure he was gonna die, and we were gonna get like a big emotional <laughs> emotional scene, especially when when <laughs> when Richard Roundtree is driving around with Shaq and his dog. Sure. <laughs> to find crimes to fight. Um, and, and I was like, oh man, is, is, is Shaquille O'Neal going to be able to pull off this sort of like gutted, my mentor has died. Like, what's that going to look like? So I was honestly a little disappointed that we didn't get that. <laughs> we, we get a taste of it at the very beginning when, when, uh, his best friend, uh, Lieutenant Sparks, uh, yes. is crushed under a bunch of rubble. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I guess we sort of do. Yeah. But he uh, just hulks out at that point. No, that that is true. He does. Uh, because, again, the director had that experience. Exactly. <laughs> Which, you know, actually, now that you mention it, that is the entire plot of the first episode of The Hulk. That's is, true. I guess uh, it is, isn't it? Is, is people finding great strength under uh, tremendous trauma stress. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Lieutenant Sparks played by, by Annabeth Gish. Yes. Who is delightful. She's all right. Yeah. I, th- I thought she was great. <laughs> uh, I do want to read one quick thing from the Steel Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, I'm excited. Uh, just, uh, it, it is, I got to pull it up real quick. Sorry. Uh, but it is like in the first chapter <laughs> or the first <laughs> paragraph. Uh, that just, it was a phrasing that struck me as just real weird. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, the film star Shaquille O'Neal as John Henry Irons and his alter ego Steel, Annabeth Gish as his wheelchair using partner Susan Sparks. (laughs) Is that her defining characteristic? Also, you know, is she wheelchair using or yeah, wheelchair Yeah, she's, she doesn't need it. <laughs> she's, and that's the big twist is she's actually not. 
<laughs> not wheelchair bound. She just likes it. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, which actually does bring me to uh, the end of the Wikipedia plot summary. Oh, okay. Which, spoilers for the movie. <laughs> uh, da-da. In the grand opening of her restaurant, Irons' grandmother tells him about Steel and then tells Joe that everyone should be proud of his heroism. After Sparky shows the new modification of her wheelchair that allows her to walk, Irons smiles and hugs her. (laughs) Hold on. (laughs) That's not at all what that does. (laughs) Wait a minute. I think whoever wrote the Wikipedia summary of Steel uh, maybe didn't fully comprehend the movie. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, maybe it was in, like, an earlier draft of the script. Maybe. It's like the first nuclear man in Superman 4. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> it doesn't really come across in the finished product. <laughs> Oh, was there a comic adaptation for this movie? There 100% was. Excellent. It was it was written by Louise Simonson and illustrated by John Pogdanoff. Awesome. I tried to read it, but I couldn't find it. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, I, oh, I, was, wow. I was excited to read it too, and yeah, I couldn't find it. <laughs> I, I may have to try to hunt that down in a dollar bin somewhere. That's going to be a good book to hunt for, I think. <laughs> Uh, although, you know, with as quick as this movie was turned around, who knows? Maybe they just ran with the first draft. That's true. That's entirely true. There, there is a lot of stuff in this that feels very first drafty. <laughs> the timeline is, it feels very short. Yeah, but also they hint that it has actually been much longer. Yeah, it's real weird. Yeah, like like when, when uh, John moves back to L.A., like, he stops and visits uh, Sparks in the hospital first. Yeah. Uh, and then he's there seemingly, like, two, three days, maybe. Uh, but then, like, tries to call her in the hospital, but she's been transferred to St. Louis. And he flies all the way out to, to visit her and, you know, talks about all the letters that he wrote to her. Right. I'm just like, wait, you've been gone a week. <laughs> Can we can we can we jump back for just a second? Absolutely. And talk about that first hospital scene. Okay. Like the they're talking about like he brings her flowers, which is very nice. Yeah. Uh and then she says something about like like they're talking about about how he has left the service and she's like, "Well, I'll come visit you once I'm back on my feet." Yeah. And and there is a shot of like the nurse who's in the room. Yes, there is. Who just looks at Shaquille O'Neal and shakes her head. <laughs> I laughed so hard. Uh, I I did catch that and I I only noticed it on my second viewing. <laughs> I was gonna ask if you watched it more than once. I did. <laughs> Which I'm I'm kind of glad I did because there's a scene later on when uh, uh, John is being framed for robbery and uh, is arrested as uh, being you know suspected of being the steel vigilante. Right. Uh, and there's like a police lineup scene. 
somehow I totally missed that entire scene. Oh my god, my that seems viewing. that seems so great. <laughs> <laughs> like, let's put a seven foot one inch person in a lineup with people who are significantly not as tall as him. <laughs> oh man. If anything, that is the one major downfall of the the suspension of disbelief in this movie is that Shaquille O'Neal is 89 feet tall. Right. <laughs> and incredibly inconspicuous. Yeah. Like yeah. it's you know, it's it's something that they that they talk about on how did this get made whenever they do a Schwarzenegger movie. Yeah. <laughs> like trying to believe that he's like a scientist or an insurance salesman or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I can sort of see that, but you probably get over it at some point, don't you? And then I watched this movie and realized, no, you do not. Yeah. <laughs> I mean you and I are both what many consider to be very tall men. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and with the people that we know and we love and we hang around with, you know, they, they're pretty short to us. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, uh, we are nowhere near as tall as uh, Shaquille O'Neal. And we would seem just as short to him as, you know, the people we know are to Absolutely. us. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And also I would be very intimidated. I would be I would be unnerved. Yeah. Uh 20 some years ago when I used to work at a, at a hotel, uh, uh we had a bar in the hotel and we we often got you know a handful of celebrities uh coming through, you know, our area there. Okay. Uh, and there was a football player that came in once and got really drunk and loud and obnoxious, uh, and, uh, just came up to the desk, just, just full bore. And he was massive, <laughs> <laughs> just, you know, like six, eight and just oh, geez. probably about six, four wide. <laughs> <laughs> He was a Rob Liefeld cable drawing, is what kind it sounds of, like. Yeah, yeah, just a <laughs> box of a man, and uh, just like came up to the desk, just already you know drunk, slurring and yelling because the airport lost his luggage, and I didn't know where it was because it's not my fucking fault, right? Uh, and you know. And then he just started yelling at me and accused me of being racist. Uh, because he was like, because, you know, I come up here and I'm trying to ask you a question. And, you know, all of a sudden, like, you, you know, you seem like you're scared of me or something. I was like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you're a big man and you're yelling at me. <laughs> and as big as I am, you are bigger. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, anyway. Yikes. Uh, speaking of giant black men, uh, Kevin Grebo is in this movie as well. Is, is he, like, the henchman with the super deep voice? Yes, he is. His voice freaked me out. <laughs> like, it didn't sound real. It sounded like someone doing a voice. 
yeah, especially uh, there are a couple times where he uh, speaks off camera. And yeah. it's just... And it... Uh, I read something about, like, when he... Because he is uh, perhaps best known as the co-creator of the Underworld franchise. Right. Uh, and he, he does play one of the werewolf characters in the first movie. Uh, and I guess like on press junkets, people asked him like, you know, so like, was that your real voice? And then he would talk and it was because it does sound like it is digitally altered. (laughs) Yeah. It was crazy deep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he is uh, also a uh, comic book writer. (laughs) Yeah. That's awesome. (laughs) Uh, he, he wrote new warriors for a while. Yes. Uh, he is the creator of blue Marvel. Oh, I didn't realize that. That's cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. Apparently that was a character he created when he was like 11 or something like that. Nice. (laughs) Um, And and, as I mentioned, uh, the creator of the Underworld franchise and the I, Frankenstein franchise. Ooh, is that a franchise? No. (laughs) Does that count as a franchise? (laughs) No. (laughs) If it's one... (laughs) You know they wanted it to be more. And if it's Frankenstein... Like, I feel like the state of Mary Shelley might have something to say about that. It, it is uh, barely a Frankenstein. <laughs> and it is definitely not a franchise, as okay. hard as they tried. <laughs> I think I watched part of that movie once, and it's like, he's fighting gargoyles? Wow. It's No, it's like, it's not even him. It's, it's uh, like two factions of gargoyles. That are at war. And Frankenstein, quote unquote, uh, gets caught up in the middle of it. Okay, sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Aaron Eckhart, what are you doing? Oh, apparently not much these days. <laughs> Sadly. Because he's great. I do really like him. Yeah. Only decent part of Dark Knight. <laughs> Agree to disagree, but all okay. right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, steel. Steel, yeah. Did you notice, like, they they uh, edited out some profanity poorly? Did they? Throughout. There, there's, okay. at least, there's at least a couple parts where you could tell that they had dubbed in dialogue where there was profanity. Okay. Like, I, I, the, the part where I specifically noticed it was, uh, I think, when when steel has gone into the weapons sale and Richard Roundtree is trying to contact sparks on the radio. And he says something like we're in, we're in dark spit or something. Oh, okay. Wow. But you can clearly read that. He said we're in deep shit. Right. Which is weird. It's a PG 13 movie and, yeah. and there is swearing in it. Yeah. It, I, I thought it was very strange. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, from, from Richard Roundtree, I would surely expect worse swearing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is Shaft. It's true. Can you dig it? <laughs> I can. <laughs> uh, there's uh, some eye-rolling moments with uh, him. Uh, he is also not giving what I would consider a great performance in this movie. He, he is getting paid for this movie. <laughs> Yep. Uh, there's uh, a lot of uh, very young actors also. Not at the top of their game. Yeah. 
Uh, and uh, there's the, the the kid with an eye patch, uh, who I think like when sh- uh, John Steele goes to confront him at the 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 hangout bar or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and he is like wearing like bondage gear <laughs> and like a cape, I think. <laughs> And opera gloves. Yeah. I was just like, there is so much happening with this guy. <laughs> this is just a hat on a hat on a hat. <laughs> they they were like, okay, so the gang colors are purple. So what do we have in wardrobe that's purple? <laughs> just put it all on him. Yep. Oh, boy. It just uh, it reminded me of, I mean... Part of the thing of, of uh, Kenneth Johnson like hanging out in the hood to get realism into the script, right? Just really goes out the window when you just see like, you know, how some of these characters are dressed and the way they act, and just like this, this has to be a put on, right? <laughs> Can I tell you the the part that maybe made me the most uncomfortable? Okay is uh steel's very first super feat uh so this this uh affluent uh older white couple is mugged uh and and steel uh tracks down the mugger uh and and gets their stuff back yes played Uh, by john hawks yes played by john hawks um and then yeah he when he returns the the uh, victims their stuff mm-hmm. like he he says something along the lines of uh, on behalf of the people of Los Angeles I apologize <laughs> and it felt wrong <laughs> like this this large <laughs> this large black man is apologizing to <laughs> these rich white people <laughs> like just the optics of it and then, and then he gets on the escalator and rides up backwards and waves to them. Yeah. It just, it's, oh man. What yeah. what are they doing? There's a lot of stuff in this movie that you might be able to consider problematic. <laughs> uh, especially in this day and age. Uh, and, and yeah, there, there definitely does seem to be an aspect of, uh, you know, I don't know racial overcompensation maybe yeah uh just in in spaces uh it's it's never presented in this movie as like a thing though right yeah that was what was weird about it to me is like there's there's the part at the at the beginning after uh john testifies in court Mm -hmm. uh about uh, Judd Nelson, who is in this movie, I don't think we've even talked about. Not a bit. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. He's not really yeah, doing anything yeah. in this movie. He's hamming it up. Yeah, but uh, but he testifies in military court and basically gets uh, Judd Nelson kicked out of the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have a confrontation in the hallway outside of the courtroom, and like that felt like it was going to end with him. What like he stifles him? Uh, Judd Nelson stifles himself before he calls uh, John Henry like a like 
you know, we, we don't know what he was going to say, but it felt like it was going to be a racial slur. Sure. And I feel like that's really the only time, and it's not even a real thing. Like, I may just be projecting that onto the movie, but like, it's just, it's just really weird. Yeah. Uh, I, I think you are projecting a little bit. But, uh, yeah, Judd Nelson's character does seem like the kind of guy who at least thought it. Yeah. <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> uh, he is uh, the, the villain of this movie and uh, pretty much a nothing. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like, from the jump. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah, like, like, I think that's probably the biggest failing of this is that there is... I mean, there's a threat, but it's, like, the stakes seem so low. Yeah. Uh, ultimately, it's about uh, Judd Nelson stealing the tech that uh, John made uh, to sell as weapons to whoever wants to buy it. Yeah, basically. He's, no, well, he's going to lease them the weapons. Oh, okay. All right. So that they, because the, these are, uh, as he says, complicated machines... Uh, electronic machines that will need constant maintenance and and uh, recharging. So basically, he's trying to sell these people computers, right? That that only he will be able to uh, uh, install the patch software, <laughs> which is kind of kind of a clever plan, I sure. guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's just it it just. It feels hollow. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, you know, going back to what we talked about an hour ago, <laughs> uh, you know, th it is refreshing that, you know, it's not some big universal planetary threat that, that Steel has to fight, you know, somehow against overwhelming odds. That's true. You know, it, it is, it's very small. It's very localized. There's six characters in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it was made for $10. <laughs> you know, I, I think if the, if the plot of the movie had just been Steel uh, fighting the Nazis that we see at one point in the movie... <laughs> Yeah. Like, that would have been fine, too. <laughs> I mean, you know, it certainly would be a lot more relevant today than, yeah. you know, anything else that happens in this. <laughs> <clears throat> you know, and, and, you know, so I've never been a big Steel fan. Like, I, I like him fine enough. Uh, you know, I, I enjoyed him in his, you know, various appearances, but I never went out of my way to, like, read his solo book or, or anything like that. Sure. Uh, but, you know, the the fact of, you know, how he came to be in the comics, I think, also sort of colors my view of this movie. Yeah. And that it, it, it feels like you could still have, like, this small localized story about just, like, this working class guy becoming a superhero on, you know, just, you know, a budget and, you know elbow grease uh and but still have the sort of the big origin of it you know yeah like, like being <clears throat> like being inspired by superman i think would have been nice other than the fact that he just has a superman tattoo yeah <laughs> which that also makes me wonder you know does superman exist in this universe <laughs> 
Well, there are references to both Superman and Batman. <clears throat> yes, there are. Which which I thought was real weird. <laughs> but but is it, you know, just because everybody knows them as comic and movie characters or like do they actually exist? Yeah. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, then, you know, once you start answering things like that, then you eventually get things like the fucking Eternals right. and how they're yeah. going to fit into phase four. <laughs> yeah. Like, was was Steel going to be in the fifth Batman movie? Who knows? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so so part of the the oral history of this was that uh, like. When they so Quincy Jones basically spearheaded this entire thing, right? Uh, he was a fan of the comic and, and wanted to do a movie about just you know a black superhero who you know just sort of comes from the streets and is a working man hero. Uh, and then you know they knew Sha- Shaq was a big Superman fan and got him involved early on. Uh, and then they got Kenneth Johnson involved. And they said, Shaq's uh, attached. And he said, great, who's going to star in it? Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I understand, but oh, no. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, so, so apparently, you know, once he accepted the fact that Shaq was going to be his lead, he asked Warner Brothers, you know, okay, well, can we at least build out the cast with stars, uh, you know, to, to support him and then open things up more? And they said no. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Judd Nelson's a... <laughs> he's a big name. Sure. Annabeth Gish. I mean, Richard, she's Richard been Roundtree? in other things. Yeah. 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 Uh, I also did read that the uh, the grandmother, uh, who, whose name I cannot remember right off the top of my head, uh, apparently she signed on to the movie because she loved Superman comics. That's awesome. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> um, but yeah, so then, you know, uh, apparently the budget was only like $25 million, uh, but he made it for like 16. Oh, wow. That's... Oh, use all the money. What are you doing? <laughs> He's very efficient. He comes from TV. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> uh, and then uh, WB Marketing uh, did not market this movie. That sounds okay. right. Yep. <laughs> and uh, it made a total of $1 million at the box office. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. <clears throat> And so uh, Kenneth Johnson then said uh, later, like he was having lunch with uh, a WB executive and they were just like, yeah, you know, we probably should have promoted it somewhat. <laughs> and it was like, and, and you were right, you know, when, when you asked if uh, we could actually get, you know, someone to star in the movie as Steel, we, we probably should have, you know, taken Shaq out and given you like Wesley Snipes or something like that. <laughs> and he's like, well, why didn't you? He's like, because... We thought Shaq would sell more toys. Yeah, that sounds right, too. Yep. Mm-hmm. That totally sounds like the WBMO. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Man's uh, yes, they, they were going for two toyetic superhero movies that year. Yep. <laughs> Amazing. Somebody must have said that word to somebody. Yeah. Once. 
and it <laughs> became a thing. <laughs> oh man, was there was there anything in the oral history uh, about? a uh, romance between John Henry Irons and Sparks that was cut from the movie. <laughs> no. Okay, because it feels like that's supposed to be there. Right? Like, I could not figure that out, honestly. Yeah. I mean, I guess they have some chemistry together, but not a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and it feels way more intimate than just being really good friends. <laughs> But, yeah, like there, there are scenes where people look at them like, "Oh, when are those two? When are those kids gonna get together?" Yes, you're right. <laughs> uh, especially like at the end, for sure. Absolutely. Uh, just before she, you know, transforms her wheelchair into the walking machine. <laughs> right. <laughs> now, Eric, hold on. What, that happened in this movie. She's, she's just she's just standing. She's not walking. She hit a button on the wheelchair and then she's moving around in an exoskeleton. <laughs> I saw it twice. Alright, alright, I guess I need to watch the movie again because I missed that part. <laughs> oh man. But yeah, like that scene when she stands up in the chair, like they kiss there. That's what they're supposed to do. Yeah, yeah. But, but they, they just hug. They just hug. Uh, but yeah, but like just before that, like, you know, like she and and Shaq are kind of looking at each other. And then like grandma is like eyeballing, you know, Uncle Joe, like, oh, it's it's about to happen. Uh-huh. Uh, but they like touch fingers and hug. Yeah. Eskimo kisses. Is that what yeah. that is? No, that's that's noses. That's rub, <laughs> rubbing noses. I forget what the finger touch is. Uh, that's just like a thing that, that kids do is just, oh, making kisses. I, okay. Um, I think so. Okay. Well, I, don't I believe you. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. It was, it was just real weird. Yep. No, it, it super is. Uh, you know, and, and, and I don't know. Like, part of me is like, okay, I'm glad there wasn't a romance uh, angle to this. Yeah. Uh, but but you are right. There are, There is a lot of hints that it is supposed to be. <laughs> uh, which just makes it all weirder. Right. Oh, <laughs> uh, boy. This movie. Yeah. This movie. I'm, I'm uh, glad we watched it. <laughs> me too. Uh... Yeah, like it, it, it is not good. Uh, it, it, it's kind of sluggishly paced. Uh, it, it looks cheap. It feels cheap. Uh, it is, you know, your lead actor is a guy who is not an actor, right? Uh, I mean, maybe he's gotten better. I, I feel like his recent uh, commercials for the general have been uh, pretty decent. <laughs> Yes, I especially liked his star turn in the Papa John's Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, uh, there's that gif of him, uh, you know, shaking his shoulders and then the cat, you know, shaking its butt. That that tickles me to no end. That, that's probably his best work, honestly. <laughs> Holy shit. I, wanted, I want a gif of him... Uh, in the steel armor when he's like waving bye bye. 
I'm sure it exists. Probably. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Steel. We yeah. talked the hell out of this movie. We did. I'm impressed with us. I am, too. We're pretty, we're pretty good at talking about shitty movies. Yeah, we are. <laughs> oh, any anything bringing you happiness this week? Um, no. All right, fair. Uh, it is. It is. Uh, last week was fucking rough, and it it's still not recovering. So yeah, I, I know you had a rough weekend too. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, well, you? I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. It's all right. Um, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Big Brother's been really good this season. Uh, that's about it. <laughs> Glad to hear it. <clears throat> you know what? I, I will say this. Uh, uh, the new issue of Nightwing came out this week, and it was spectacular. Yes. Yeah, I think we've talked about Nightwing before. Yeah. Uh and yeah, it's it's uh it's way better than it has any any right or reason to be and it's super good. Yep. <clears throat> so so that'll be my joy for the week. I like that. I'm going right. to steal that as well. Excellent. That works. <laughs> also, uh Wally West comics are not terrible. So, I'll take it. They're fine. <laughs> They're exactly. <Yeah. laughs> I said I would take it. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, like my my little, I, I read the new issue and then I posted about it on Twitter like I do every time I read a comic. Right. And I was just like, I guess I'm just glad Wally West is back. <laughs> yeah, he's he's in hands that are not actively trying to harm him anymore. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> yay. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Actually, I thought that the uh, the two issue arc with the heat wave story that just ended was actually really solid. <clears throat> um, it was it was nice setup for for you know whatever is his status quo is going to be, um, and all of all of the heat wave stuff. Uh, it, it hit close to home and was very relatable. Uh, yeah, I, I did the, not think uh, about that. Yeah, the the oncologist that he sees in the first issue is the worst oncologist who has ever been an oncologist. <laughs> Just gonna throw her hands up and be like, "Well, I, I we I got nothing. <laughs> You're on your own, pal." You know, not everybody can graduate at the top of their class. <laughs> I guess that's true. <laughs> You know, when you're out looking for doctors, you got to realize that one of these people probably came in last, but still <laughs> made it. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> I know how I was in college. I'm sure there are doctors who were like that, too. Yep. <laughs> uh, uh, shall I shall I pick a movie for next week? You should. Okay. Uh, yeah, all right. So, uh, <laughs> this movie is probably one that you've seen before. Okay. Uh, but I'm, I'm wondering if you would be open to watching it again. All righty. Um, I, uh, a few years ago, I went on a little kick where I watched all of the Hammer Films Frankenstein movies. Speaking okay. of Frankenstein. Yes. 
Um, and I had intended to move on to their Dracula movies. Okie dokie. But I never got around to it. Okie dokie. Uh, so I noticed that uh, HBO Max has added The Horror of Dracula. Okay. To their catalog, and I would like to watch that. I cannot say for sure if I've actually seen it or not. Really? Okay. Uh, you know, no offense to the Hammer Horror movies, because I will just say that I enjoy the hell out of most of them. Uh, there's a lot. <laughs> there is a lot. <laughs> and they'll have crazy titles, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm not quite sure which ones I've seen or not. Okay. Uh, like, I can definitively tell you two that I've seen, and they are not the horror of Dracula. Okay. Uh, but I have seen multiples of the Christopher Lee Dracula movies. Okay. So maybe I have? Yeah, th- maybe this I is, haven't. This is, the, this is the very first one. Okay. Again, uh, it... Maybe <laughs> came out came out in 1958. Uh, I believe it was also released internationally just as Dracula. Okay, so uh, if that helps you at all, <laughs> uh, it doesn't. But uh, okay. I mean, I'm not turning it down because I am always in the mood to watch Christopher Lee as Dracula. Excellent. <laughs> and there might even be the possibility I own this on Blu-ray. <laughs> Ooh, that's awesome. Uh, like a year ago, I bought a. Blu-ray set of just, like, random Hammer movies. And that may be one of them. Nice. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're going from, from one rapper in Shaquille O'Neal to another in Hammer. Uh, I see. What That's how this works, right? Yeah. Uh, I thought you were going to go with the Christopher Lee angle where he uh, had a metal album. That's, I forgot about that. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm going to listen to that to get in the mood for it. <laughs> oh, oh, we, uh, the soundtrack for steel. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> oh man. It's awful. It's not good at all. No. <laughs> um, but to me, the, the standout song, uh, no pun intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, it is a track uh, that plays over the end credits. I believe it also plays another place in the movie. At least one other place. Yeah, uh, but it is co-written by Kenneth Johnson. <laughs> oh, I didn't notice that. That's awesome. That explains <laughs> it, a lot, too. Yeah, uh, it is also not on the official soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> That's really weird. Yep. Uh, but I think, like, the first, like, needle drop in the movie is uh, Young MC's Bust a Move. Yes. Which I believe at this point is at least ten years old <laughs> when the movie has come out. You know what? That song is great. It's fine. I, I, I was a huge Young MC fan. <laughs> uh, just, it was weird. Yeah. No, it was, yeah. it was very strange. I agree. Yeah, but, but, yeah, uh, Shaq uh, has a few tracks on the soundtrack i believe and nice uh yeah yeah it was it was uh overall not great <laughs> but but uh i would definitely recommend people track down the song that plays over the end credits yeah it's it's uh <laughs> it's worth at least one listen and yep. probably never again uh you know tying it back to alienation i think it stands up with uh the, the uh, song that plays over the credits in that movie <laughs> 
I forgot all about that song. I remember it because you read it <laughs> in its entirety. <laughs> all right, the horror of Dracula. Yeah, on HBO uh, Max. I am looking forward to it greatly. Excellent. Well, we will talk about that next week. Excellent. Good night. Thank you for listening to The Viewmasters. You can subscribe to the show directly at view.guttertrash.net or at iTunes and leave us a review. Visit view.guttertrash.net for email information and links to Facebook and Twitter. We'll see you next time on The Viewmasters. Masters.